1: NY or text Hope NY in New York.
2: All right, another Carolina podcast emergency Monday cast. Emergency Spurs Up cast. Pearson Fowler here, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell alongside me as always. I'm very impressed to see both of you still on your feet after an unbelievably busy week. And we got five spurs up from Coach Will champ this weekend. And I, I'll just start by asking both of you this. Other than signing day in the early signing period, has there ever been a single weekend that yielded five spurs up since Coach Mustamp got here?
3: I don't think so. I
4: don't I don't think so either. I mean, it was definitely the busiest weekend I I think. Um as far <laughs> yes, as yes, like camp definitely. stuff going on. Um and Chris picked me up on Friday. I had a prior thing I needed to go to and then you know, camp Saturday, Spurs up all along the way. Then official visitors all weekend. Um, you know, it, it was it was hard work covering it. I can't imagine being like in the building over there, um, sort of just making sure you know your your assistant coaches and then your your Jessica Jacksons of the world and and all those folks that are having to um, handle everything that was going on this weekend. It it was crazy, man. It, and I, I think uh, we'll probably look back and say this was a, a big weekend for South Carolina football.
2: And for Jessica Jackson, I mean, busy weekend for everybody, but for her especially, she is, first of all, outstanding in what she does. She's got to be in a good mood all the time. Like, I can't imagine that. Like, I, I didn't see either of you guys this weekend, and I like both of you, but I probably didn't want to see you all this weekend because I'm sure you were just so busy that you were just work zombies. She can't be like that. She can't ever have an off day. So shout out Jessica Jackson. You do an awesome job. Uh, before we get into it, want to give you guys a heads up. All of the uh, camp thoughts that we were anticipating talking about today, we're going to put that off for a separate podcast that we're going to record later in the week because we have so much recruiting specific stuff to get to today. Um, so we're going to go through the five spurs up this weekend. We're going to go through the official visitors that were, uh, here in Columbia this weekend. And also want to remind you guys, as we get going to rate, review, subscribe, share with your friends. It really helps us if you like us doing this and you want us to do more of it, that's the best way to support the podcast. All right, guys, let's jump right in. Five spurs up this weekend. You want to go in chronological order? Sure. If we can remember the
3: chronology of it. Yeah. It was first O'Donnell Fortune? Yes, yeah, That's right. D B Sumter DB. O'Donnell Fortune. And that was Friday afternoon. Or Friday morning.
4: Sure. Yeah, that was Friday afternoon. (laughs) Friday afternoon. Uh, Sorry, I'm a little, yeah, fried. Then you had uh, Makia Scott, which was Friday later afternoon, came out Friday evening as far as him putting it out. Yep. Um, And there was
2: another one late Friday, because I just remember it happening during the NBA game.
4: Yes, third Spurs up. We didn't know at the time who it was, but that was Matt Oliveria, right, that just came out today.
2: Excellent pronunciation, by the way. Yep. I don't know that for sure. It just sounded good, just so just, just say it with um,
4: confidence. Pure guess. So that was uh, the last
2: one that was revealed to us. It was actually the
4: third commit. And then Saturday was Boogie, yeah, Alex Boogie Huntley. From Hammond. Um, he was the fourth of the weekend. Then uh, we had uh, Trey Jones. That's right. right. So let's from get outside. started. In-state offensive lineman.
2: All right, we're going to go back to Friday morning, Friday early afternoon. O'Donnell Fortune walked me through his recruitment process and his commitment.
3: O'Donnell's a guy from Sumter High, um, and he's been on the radar for a while. I mean, South Carolina's liked him. They've had him under evaluation. They checked on him this spring. Um, He had some offers, you know, to his credit. Not a huge offer list, but he had some power five offers. Um, I think the biggest ones are really like uh, Virginia, Syracuse. So he hadn't really blown up yet. Um, But South Carolina, look, they always use summer camp is really big, especially at the defensive back position defensive backs one of the hardest positions to evaluate just based on film so that's why you know going out to to uh schools um for these coaches for the spring evaluation period is so big gathering that information and then look will Muschamp, will Muschamp's db coach you know by trade he's a defensive coach defensive backs his background so he likes to also get an eye um get eyes on these guys in summer camp as well so they saw fortune. The size checked out. You know, he's six one, pushing six two with long arms. Um, he's got really good ball skills. He ran pretty well. He ran in the four or five range. He vertical jumped over thirty inches. And so the measurables checked out. And what he did in on, in one on ones and how he moved that also checked out. And he wanted to be a gamecock. He was a guy that you know got the offer after camp and committed on the spot. So the staff saw enough to where where they really liked him and they were sold on him. He's a guy that could realistically play corner or safety at the next level with with what he can do.
2: So he is officially listed as a two-star guy, but he's rangy, 6'2", 172. And I think this is one of those situations where, you know, even if it's not necessarily moving the needle, as you mentioned, I mean, this is Will Muschamp's position. I yeah. feel like you have to you trust his scouting, trust his instincts, and especially with this being a local guy. And like you mentioned, they like to cross-train defensive backs anyways, and when you have a guy that's a little bit longer, um that may be able to, to be a little bit more physical than just like your standard cover corner wherever. I think having that versatility is something that appealed to the coaching staff as well I'm recruiting fortune.
3: Sure. And um, you know, he, he was a guy that again they they've liked. Um and you take a guy this or you offer a guy this early, I mean this is the offer he wants. And so you gotta sort of put yourself in the shoes of the coaching staff when you're breaking it down. They knew that you offer this kid, he's gonna commit, you know, and so you better be ready. And so that really shows you that they were they were sold on his game and, and what he could do. And I think we've seen this every year that we've covered last champ at South Carolina is there's always kids that pop up at camp and defensive back is, is one where you can look back and definitely see some guys that have flown under the radar a little bit that they've really identified in camp that they've liked and then they've pursued.
2: Next guy up, the first of two defensive tackles to commit South Carolina this weekend, Makia Scott, a defensive tackle from Gainesville, Georgia, three stars, Wes, uh, since Chris took the last, I'll let you start with McKee. Scott, walk me through his recruitment and his commitment process.
4: Yeah, you know, he's a guy that South Carolina has, I think, been in pretty good shape with for, for some time. Uh, you know, been on campus a couple times and um, has really given rave reviews, uh, I think, pretty much every time. Uh, you know, I think he was in in January and March and then back for camp. He actually worked out at camp for South Carolina this week, and I, I think they sort of verified what they already thought of, of him as far as his ability as a player, um, you know a true defensive tackle, but a kid that moves well for his size um, has some explosiveness to him. Um, you know when they do these camps, there there's a combine portion of it where they're they're checking out to see if they match sort of the the measurables that they're looking for, and then obviously they put them through drills as well. And Makia's checked out and in all those areas, uh, you know. And I, I think um, you know, kind of a a low key, almost straightforward. Recruitment, there wasn't a lot of, uh, um, you know, drama to it. He uh, came to South Carolina um, this weekend or this week and uh, committed, and 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 that was that. And uh, it's a kid that had a number of offers. He's a three-star guy on Rivals, but um, again, you see the type of athletes and the type of players are getting at the defensive line position, and uh, you can never have too much depth at that spot either. So uh, maybe a bit overlooked as far as South Carolina fans go, just because we're talking about. You know, the Alex Huntleys and the the Jordan Birches, potentially, and the Miles Murphys of the world, but um, was a guy that South Carolina has been on um, really throughout the recruiting cycle as well.
2: Yeah, and you might look at his offer list at Cincinnati, it's East Carolina, Memphis, uh, Wake Forest, and Western Kentucky. I think that is all six and you know that's not anything that blows you away and you mentioned pretty straightforward recruiting south carolina clearly the the program with the most potential out of those six but also took an official visit to auburn took an official official visit to clemson so there was some interest there and it's six four two seventy. he's a guy that you know i think projects as someone that can come in and will at least be physically ready or at least physically close um to play right away because that's one of the things when you're playing in the interior and we talk about this more with Offensive lineman than defensive lineman, but being able to come in and just be a big body right from the get go mm-hmm. is is already a big step up. And also getting someone out of, out of Georgia that always uh, that always feels good for Carolina fans, I imagine. Uh, next up, uh, well, actually, do you want to go with do you want to go with the third Spurs up Friday now, or do you want to save that for last since that was the one that people Let's found out about Let's go with it latest. now. Just keep it yeah. in order.
3: Really? Okay. I was kind of hoping. Oh, you we wanted to, to go. Tell. Well, he he
2: was,
4: it's because it's disappointed in your decision.
2: Yeah. No. 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 It's it's okay then. We'll we'll go ahead and go with. The newest commit for South Carolina, I, Wes. You crushed his name, so I'll let you do it again. <laughs> Matt Oliveira. There you go. Matt Olivera. Olive. Oh. It's not Oliveira.
3: I know it's E I. I'm pretty sure it's, it's Matt
2: Olivera. O L I V E I R A. Matt Olivera. Yeah. <laughs> A grad transfer long snapper. <laughs> yeah, but okay. From so
4: one of those positions that uh, you have to it, you once you if you don't have it. You notice it. You know, you never notice the long snapper most of the time, 99% of the time. But if you have issues there, then you notice it. This is one of those roster-building moves that probably goes under the radar most of the time. Um, South Carolina went into spring needing long snappers, and I know they added one for the spring. They were looking to add more guys at that position. And uh, he's, I believe, Chris, a three-year starter at Maryland. Is that right?
3: Yeah, he started. Thirty six straight games. Okay, so, so
4: thirty six straight games. Um, you know, you'd assume he comes right in and, and starts for South Carolina. You're not going out and getting a grad transfer long snapper if he's not coming in to start. So, um, yeah, obviously, I think this thing got uh, got hyped up with the speculation of who it might be, and uh, and all that stuff, which is uh, unfortunate. But including but
2: by Derek Phillips, who texted us earlier today and was like. Well, who is it? Who is it? You know, they had some crazy ideas, but not crazy ideas, but had some, uh, I guess, some very optimistic ideas about yes. who the unnamed yes. Spurs up was going to be. Yes. And I, you know when, when, when I texted him back and said it's long, I haven't heard back from him, so I just have to assume that he like went into cardiac arrest immediately.
4: <laughs> I mean, and I, I think, you know, South Carolina's they're still in with a bunch of big targets. So I think they're probably ultimately going to land. Uh, but the, uh, the speculation was, it kind of got funny. I mean, at the end, ev- I mean, everything, we were posting updates on, you know the Sunday, uh, post visit, you know official visit stuff, and that whole thread got turned into well, you know, it was one of these guys. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> people were like, Marcus Adams has and... got another year of eligibility. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it, you know, it, it got wild. But but yeah, still, um, a position that you you got you got to have a long snapper, guys. So, um, I mean, who was Steve Spurrier's favorite player of all
2: time? It was Walker and Appenit. Was it? I don't know. He really liked Walker though. I mean, he's one of his favorite. He players. liked Ty Crowfoot, too. <laughs> he he always said great things about Walker. And I, Walker Walker was a rock. Walker works in this building actually, where we're recording this. I uh, saw his podcast. two favorites of all time were Danny Warfel and Connor Shaw. Kenny I mean, probably that because he's yeah. a quarterback. But he, loved he undeniably loved Walker because he was just solid and he just did he just did what he did, like you're talking about. No one's excited to hear long snapper, but you got to have. But one. But you have to have one. And and when you don't have one, it's it's horrible because then. You don't know if you can kick a field goal. Yeah, it's it's like West, it over uh, your head. It's
3: noti- yeah, it's noticeable. I mean, I remember there's been some, like, until they brought some guys in, like some spring practices and stuff, where you – I think it was my champ's first year, spring practices, where you're like, ooh, you know. But Drew Williams did a great job, Dutch Fork product. Uh, he did an awesome job uh, lately for South Carolina. Ben Asbury stepped in last year, did a good job. So um, it's definitely – they're bringing in multiple guys, but but Matt Oliveira is a guy that – um they're definitely bringing in, I think, with eyes on on being able to win that job because of his experience.
2: So that wrapped up a very busy Saturday, and as I mentioned, that last one, Oliviera or Oliveira, we'll figure it out, was during the NBA game. So I didn't even, and we didn't hear about that officially until today. But so I was, I was in NBA mode. But so I wake up Saturday and I'm recapping. You know, okay, got all the you know on Gamecock Central, which is a great place to get all this information, and where I'm also a member, which y'all should also be. And I'm like, okay, wow, that was a really exciting, busy Friday for Carolina. Now it's just, you know, on to camp. But up, oh, nope, nope, not going to be quiet the rest of the weekend because South Carolina got its second defensive tackle commit of the weekend. The I don't want to say the biggest one, but a, a very notable commitment from this weekend because he was a four because he's a four star guy because he's from right up the road, went to Hammond, played for Eric Camry, and that's Hammond defensive tackle Alex Huntley committing to the Gamecocks. You guys, walk me through it.
3: Yeah. Alex uh, sort of took the uh, approach of, you know, whatever he was going to eventually do, he just decided to go ahead and do it. And that, that's sort of how we explained it when we chatted with him. Um, he he got to a point where originally he wanted to decide, say in January, like in an all-star game. Then it was more decide during the season, Octoberish, and then it finally got to a point where, you know, I know I'm going to South Carolina, so just go ahead and do it now. Try to help recruit a little bit. Just go ahead and, and get in the class because why wait? And so – um it was actually maybe a couple weeks ago he was at the beach with his family and and sort of broke the news to him that hey I want to go to South Carolina and then um we actually talked to him on uh, I guess last Sunday not not this past Sunday but the one before and he said hey um you know I'm moving my decision timeline up and then the next day is when I think my understanding is he sort of officially made the call there and then made some preparations got a little video going that was that was very well done and put that out on Saturday um, so it was a big pickup for them. He's a great kid, student body president at Hannah. Ha- Hannah, that's where I went. That's where you're Hammond. From. He's from Hammond. <laughs> <laughs> he's a student body president at Hammond. Um, and you know, a big kid. He's he's six four. He's two eighty five. He'll easily be three hundred. He can move. Lacrosse player, football player. So great kid. That's not going to cause any problems. And he's really versatile. You know, so he's a guy that's really grown and he's really getting better and better. So I think there's still a lot of potential there.
4: I want to go watch him play lacrosse. I was yeah. just saying that. Like, I, I feel like that that would actually be an interesting evaluation tool because I know um, a lot of football coaches will go watch um, their players or their targets um, play basketball in high school, and some of it's just it's a recruiting tool. You know, hey, coach is here. He watched me play. He cares. But um, it's an interesting evaluation tool to watch a guy run the court in basketball. Um, you know see if he can dunk see what type of explosiveness he has there's uh,
2: a different kind of athleticism it, some different yeah.
4: problem solving things like that yeah but watching a kid that's 6'4" 285 play lacrosse um you know i don't know frankly anything about lacrosse but i'd imagine there's not many guys as big as him out there that that, that would be an interesting recruit or evaluation tool to go watch alex play but i think that speaks to his ability to move uh, to move his feet his quickness and um, you know Chris talked to Eric Kimry. I ended up writing the article, but Chris talked to him. Um, and he said that, uh, you know, he's probably the best leader he's coached in 15 years of coaching, which I, I think obviously says a lot. We see all the tangible tools that he has, his ability, but this is also a kid that is just loaded with intangibles and I think fits the culture of what Muschamp is trying to build at South Carolina. You want talented kids, but you want guys that – you know, buy into your program and buy into what you're building. And he's a Columbia kid who did not say the grass is greener elsewhere. He saw the potential in his program. You saw, you know, for those who haven't watched this video, I think most people listening to this probably have, but if you haven't, very well done, but incorporating, um, Soda City, yeah, and the, the State Statehouse, House, um, yep. you know, stuff like that. Yeah, he it was incorpor- a well-done
2: well done announcement video.
4: Yeah, incorporated his teammates um, as well, which was cool. But to have it on the State House steps and then, um, you know, to have, uh, like you said, Soda City involved and just for it to be Columbia-based and the message of, um, you know, being able to, to find what he was looking for um, and how he was looking elsewhere, but he found that it was right here at home, um, I thought was very well done. And uh, shout-out to... Uh, Matthew Weathersby, by the way, who is a uh, man, W-E-A-T-H, on uh, Twitter, uh, who did the video. But, yeah, that that was cool, man. I thought just to incorporate all those elements was uh, was very well done.
2: Yeah, it's a huge gift for Carolina. And if I can just add my own personal anecdote, as someone that has coached him in basketball, talking about cross sport. There you go. Yeah, let's hear it. He, he played church league basketball with my brother, and I coached some of their games. And, I mean, everything you're saying about, about the intangibles, about the leadership, I mean, it's church league basketball, so they don't take it that seriously anyways, even though it is, like, the most important thing in the world. Um, and and don't let that be lost in any of this. But, you know, he's six four, two eighty. 280, you know, whatever, how big he is. He could have just gone down and just been like, okay, give me the ball every time. I'm DeMarcus Cousins. I'm just going to, you know, smash these little kids that aren't good at basketball that are just playing church league because it's kind of fun. You know, people like my brother— and he didn't. And he was just a workman. And he would go and he would rebound and he would just set screens. And I'd be like, all right, Boogie, go get, go get this rebound for us. And he's like, all right. And, you know, just and he didn't need to score 25 points a game or just like dunk on kids. Although he, oh man, I mean, he, <laughs> he swatted just the sin out of some balls. You know, just, you know, some poor little like five, six kid who just had no idea what was coming. And he would just, you know, basically destroy the basketball which was always really fun to watch uh but just Swatted a great team you know? out of it yeah oh man it was he 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 exercised the demons from that basketball um but yeah i mean that, i just i just tell that, that to, awesome. to to kind of be funny but i mean really like he he had no problem just setting screens and getting rebounds and you know doing whatever his team had to do to win we we were one win away from from the finals and ah. if i had hmm. coached that game would have won
4: oh who coached
2: it uh edwin probst and uh spencer jenkins Shout out to ah, this guys, team. what are y'all doing? Actually, you know what? I think I, I think I did coach last game. I think we lost and I was coaching. I can't exactly remember. We, um, they coached most of the games. I coached some of them. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think I did coach the game that we lost.
4: Oh, so poor coaching. Yeah. But, um, hey, I, I also got to throw in, speaking of videos, um, I thought it was really cool, the video that I guess one of his friends or teammates um, on Twitter, uh, David Prince, uh, posted of him doing his first sandstorm. Did y'all see that? No, yep. I didn't see yep. it. Yep. It was Alex... Um, coming out to the car, and the kid had Sandstorm playing. Um, And just like a very... uh, It was
2: like in the parking lot of Hammond or something?
4: Well, he's picking him up from a house. I don't don't know where it's at. But it was just like a very genuine, cool moment. Uh, Like he had Sandstorm playing when he ran out there. And uh, then he was, you know, doing the the spurs up like he had a towel in his hand or something. So um, just uh, I, I feel like this was like a really just cool... Obviously, a great moment for South Carolina, you know, getting a great player. But I felt like it was like a cool local moment for a lot of people who, um, you know, have have watched Boogie grow as a person, as a player, and just for the whole Hammond community. I I think it was it was pretty special for all those guys.
2: That was certainly the icing on the cake of the weekend, as I mentioned. A a big get. The other guys were two and three stars. Alex Huntley, sort of the, the crown jewel of this weekend, if for no other reason than just by virtue of being a four star guy. But Will Muschamp wasn't done. He had one more commit uh, yet to go, one more Spurs up from this weekend, and that is Abbeville offensive lineman Trey Jones. He's a three-star guy, six-three, two seventy. This came, uh, I guess, a little bit after Boogie. This was Saturday, early afternoon or late morning. Um, were you guys just dead at this point?
4: I didn't die until Sunday. Okay. <laughs> um, it all kind of caught die. up to you the on next S- day. Sunday afternoon, I uh, I, w- I went to dinner and I just I like was like I'm gonna put my phone on the table and. Just leave it for a little while and watched a movie, and that was that. So, what'd you watch? Um, I'd rather not say it. <laughs> wait, now you have to say what is <laughs> no, it? No, it's all good. Um, no, no, no. I need to know what you watched. <laughs> no, Just I'll, personal. I'll you after, I'll no,
2: tell you. was it that it can't have been that bad? Anyway, was It Princess so,
4: Diaries 2. How did you know
2: it wasn't? So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're word. the worst, you're the worst kind of person. I'm leaving this in so everyone knows that you suck.
4: It's okay, man. Um, what time did Trey Jones commit?
3: I don't remember Wes.
4: Afternoon. afternoon.
3: It, it, the entire thing is a blur to me. Yeah. That's not one of the facts
4: is like about the this weekend that weekend. I have. It was
2: this weekend. That's Pearson all I, I know. Me now. It was this um,
4: weekend. I did yeah. it a little bit, honestly. It was like afternoon or all eveningish. Right, so Trey Jones, uh, four six seven, forty yard dash for a dude that's like what two hundred seventy pounds, six foot two. Um, great shuttle time. Very long arms. Um, and you know they, they put a lot into these, um, you know, camp evaluations into the timing and stuff like that. Four four shuttle um, had a thirty two inch vertical, which is uh, for a lineman is crazy, and you know I, I think shows a lot about explosiveness. You've you've heard Wolf talk about in the media sessions, um, Jalen Nichols. I, I think uh, what do you say vertical like a thirty one inch when he when Wolf talked to the media. This spring, it was like 30, yeah. 30 plus, it was 30 and, plus for um, sure. Yeah, you know, that, that shows explosiveness for a guy that's near 300 pounds to be able to push his body that high off the ground is insane. So, um, and and we've seen uh Chris him sort of uh take this approach of adding athleticism to the offensive line, um, not really putting quite as much stock into height that maybe some O line coaches do. The kid's two. He has long arms, though. Uh, we saw it with Ronald Patrick way back when Wolford when was here before. But, um, you know, I, I think uh, there's a lot to like about this pick and uh, this pickup. And, and he's a guy that at the rivals camp actually um, impressed some of our guys, too, as being one of the better sort of under-the-radar sure. kids.
3: Yeah, I mean, if you, if you can find offensive linemen that are 330 pounds and can really move and are powerful and are intelligent, that's great. But, you know, the – there has been a little bit more of a trend of, of just getting back to just tremendous athletes who are a little bit lighter up front in some cases. You look even at the NFL, I mean, they've got some really big dudes <laughs> there too, but you look at I was looking over a list the other day of the, you know, the best offensive linemen in the NFL. One of them was Shaq Mason, who played at Georgia Tech. He was a mid three star. He's six foot one, you know, but he's got longer arms and he's just a really good football player. Uh one of the Kelsey brothers, um, for the Philadelphia Eagles, who's a center. I mean, he's probably the best center in the game. He is a smaller guy. He started his career at Cincinnati as a walk-on linebacker, I believe. So, you know, you can find – if you find guys who have athleticism and physical traits to where they can move, they can bend, they're intelligent, and, and they project to be a guy that can that can play with technique and, and get bigger and stronger, then – there's a good chance that you're going to have a good offensive lineman on your hands. It's a really, you know, we talked about how defensive backs were tough to evaluate. Offensive line's really difficult. You know, even if you get them on, fi- you know, you see them on film, you go watch them, you get them in camp, watch them play basketball. I mean, it's still just a really tough position to project. So if you're going to miss, you know, missing on a guy that has those types of physical attributes, you know, you can live with that, I think. And and uh, when, you, when you can move like that, the chances of, of missing... You know, you, you really reduce your margin for error, I think.
2: Well, and it's interesting that a guy that's as athletic as Jones is, you mentioned the shuttle time, the 40 time, the vertical, all those things didn't garner a, a bigger offer yeah. list. Um, I mean, he, he had offers from coastal Elon Furman, Georgia State, Western Carolina, uh, according to rivals. I don't know if this is exactly right, but no official visits to any schools. But it sounds like this yep. is just he wanted to go to Carolina. Carolina wanted him. And these are the sorts of, you know, marginal picks that, not because he's a marginal player, but the picks that, the sort of, or not the picks. The uh, these are the recruits that sort of occupy the margins where they don't move the needle as much, but they fill out a class. And when you get a three star guy and are able to turn him into, you know, a, a player that's as productive as the four or five star guys on your roster, that's when you really start to cultivate the depth. And yes, you need. I mean, you need talent on your mm-hmm. team, like unquestionably. And I, I think I've talked on this podcast about the blue chip ratio, and you got to get a bunch of four and five star guys. But the next level is getting those two- and three-star guys and getting them to, like, four-star level productivity. Um, and, and with his size, with his, with his athleticism, and just my unwavering trust in Coach Eric Wolford, this seems like a good gift for Carolina.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I had somebody, just sort of going back to the offer list, being more modest, I had somebody at Abbeville tell me that, you know, they heard from a lot of college coaches that if he was an inch or two taller that he would have a bucket load of offers. And on one hand that makes sense because that does give him you know six four for instance six four, two seventy, two seventy five, 270 275 and running at his size that's more of an eye opener you know but it, it's also a little bit silly you know because you you think about an inch or two and whether or not it's going to make that big of a difference so then that's where you go to okay arm size how well does he move or hand size arm length how well does he move how well does he bend and and ultimately if those things are good enough you're not going to worry as much about an inch now well, Muschamp talks a lot about defensive backs. You know, they look for like, or at every position, they look for certain critical factors. So, if they have a cornerback, they would like these certain dimensions: certain height, certain weight, certain forty times, certain vertical. But if a player doesn't hit those, then they better be really good in other certain areas. So for Trey Jones, no, he's not going to hit. You don't draw up an offensive lineman ideally and say, okay, six foot two. You know, that's not like your prototypical, but when you look at his numbers and the way that he can move, it's very hard to find that. So that that's why you take a guy like that.
4: And I think we're going to see this continue where if you look at Wolford's classes in general most years, there's going to be four or five guys in the class, and there's going to be a, a couple or a few guys at the top of the class that are, like, highly ranked, like, highly ranked, like stud guys, Isaiah Walker types, four-star, everybody wants them. um that they're battling for, that they're fighting for, that, um, you know, you you maybe don't know if you're going to hang on to them or not. And in this case, um, you know, you look back, uh, Dylan Wanham a couple of classes ago, as highly recruited as about anybody out there, as highly ranked as anybody out there. Um, You know, Ja'Kai Moore last year wasn't as highly ranked for some reason, but, um, you know, you're fighting Penn State for the kid. That's the top two. Um, You know, you you look across uh, his class last year, and you find a guy like Mark Fox who was a four-star kid. But then you're going to find your Jalen Nichols of the world who was actually a, a low three-star on Rivals, which is crazy to me, um, but was 6'6", 290, and an incredible athlete, came in early. And actually, you know, if you listen to Will Muschamp, he was one of the true freshmen this spring that he kept bringing up as, as looking the part. So I think on the offensive line when you're taking so many guys um, – and especially under Wolford, you're going to have this combination of guys where uh, every year a couple of them are going to be sort of very highly ranked, and then you're going to have a couple of them who are more evaluation guys and guys that are locked in and, and frankly, guys that, um, you know, they're not going to worry about a, a Trey Jones decommitting and going somewhere else. You know, th- this is a guy that's locked in that's all about the Gamecocks. He's dreamed of playing for the Gamecocks, and then – um you, know, you you fill out the class with, with guys like this, and then at the top you have your your Dylan Wanhams and your um, Isaiah Walkers and, and your guys like that.
2: That was the exciting headline part of the weekend, but it wasn't near the entirety of what was happening in Columbia in terms of recruiting. Obviously, we have camp, which I mentioned we'll talk about on a podcast later this week, but even just on this part of recruiting, there were five official visitors in Columbia at South Carolina this weekend, not in the group that we just mentioned of guys that committed. Um, we can just go through those guys quickly. Who was on campus? Uh, what the, what you heard after their visit from South Carolina?
4: Yeah, I think once again, it went very well. It it always does on these, uh, you know, frankly, um,
2: One of the official visits was Marshawn Lloyd who's already committed to South Carolina. The
4: other four as yet uncommitted. Right. And, uh, Marshawn Lloyd, the one guy out of the five that we have not spoken with, um, he left uh, a little bit early on Sunday, got back uh, home, heard it went well. Um, you know, he was actually at the camp that we were at on Saturday and uh, sort of just hanging out, uh, spent a lot, a lot of time with Thomas Brown, and um, even uh, was tweeting congratulations to Alex Huntley for committing. Seems to be very, very, I, I think, locked in. Just um, that's the vibe I get that I think a lot of people with him sort of being a surprise commitment. Everybody's like, well, what's the likelihood that this sticks? Uh, you know, how locked into South Carolina is he? The vibe I get is that he's um, he's very locked in. Um, Chris, do you sort of get the same Absolutely, vibe? Absolutely, yeah. Um, that he wants to be at South Carolina, wants to create his own legacy. I think that's a big part of this. And, you know, I think he believes in this program. So, so yeah, so that went well. Uh, you sort of go down the list. Um, Jaheen Bell, um, yep. you want to hit on him a little bit, Chris? I know coming in South Carolina, even before the official visit, had really, I think, um, gained some steam coming into this weekend with Jaheim.
3: Yeah, he's sort of a flex tight end type prospect from Georgia, um, from Valdosta, that that Carolina's done really good work with. Um, like Wes said, even coming into the visit, a little bit of buzz there, and um, sort so sort of made it an anticipated visit. He, he was in with some family, including his mother, and um, I think made a huge impression just – uh, Jaheim didn't give away a ton in, in, our, in our talk with him, which you can read on Gamecock Central. But from what we've heard, um, things went quite well there. I think they did a really good job of, of selling him on South Carolina and sort of the vision that they have for him as a student athlete, playing within the offense, the potential for early playing time. I think all those things really appealed to him. And he spent some time hanging out at camp. He's hosted uh, or was hanging out at the camp with Keel Pollard and some members of the staff were there. So um, I think they've done really good work with him. He's he's going to be back at Florida this coming weekend because his team has a seven-on-seven tournament there. May take some other official visits as well, but I still think South Carolina has a, a solid shot there to, to pull off a flip.
4: Yeah, then you get on the list of Rashawn Lee. Um, you know, they offered last year when they were going after Ja'Kai Moore, you know, got him out of Virginia. Uh, Ja'Kai hosted Rashawn Lee on his official visit this weekend. Um I believe that was his second visit to campus. I know he was in in January as well. Um, but uh, another kid that I think I think they lead for. You know, Rashawn didn't say that himself, but he he had a South Carolina official that was his first and only so far. He's going to official to Pitt next weekend, and um, that would be June 14th um, or this weekend, I should say. And then uh, next week, maybe June 17th or June 18th, uh, actually is going to look at maybe making his decision. So I think anytime. A guy sets his decision right after an official visit. That's a good sign. Um, I talked to him after he raved about it, and, uh, you know, I think Ja'Kai did a really good job of just talking to him about what it's like once you get on campus, what to expect when you arrive, what it's like coming from Virginia to Columbia, all that stuff. It just sort of worked out for South Carolina. So now you're talking about another, um, you know, big offensive line target for, for Eric Wolford that they, uh, you know, I think they could be closing in on, you know, on possibly landing here soon.
2: And a guy from the state of Virginia, he's also got offers from North Carolina State. He's got offers from Tennessee, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, other places that are a lot closer to home for him. So this is another example of, you know, not moving the needle necessarily because he's a three-star guy. But right now he's listed at six four, two eighty-five. Seems like he has the physicality, and for Wolford to be able to go in and win some of these head-to-head recruiting battles. NC State's not a powerhouse. Tennessee is still, you know, a long way away, but certainly on the upswing. And if Carolina's winning those sorts of head to head battles with schools like that, or you know, even a West Virginia, I don't know how much interest he had in West Virginia initially, but even still, it's when you look at it and you say, That's closer to home for him than Columbia. That's gonna be another good get for Carolina.
4: Yeah, I think so. And um, you know, another kid that fits the program, just chatting with him. You you can tell with, with a lot of kids just chatting with them about their personality and their approach to the game and life and um wants to be a, a mass communications major and actually met with some of the professors about that and was very excited about that part of it. Um, you know, they, they do such a good job, and I, I'm sure every school does, you know, frankly, but they do such a good job with the official visits these days of um, making sure all that's handled. Um, they've even incorporated the, um, I'm sure people have seen on Twitter, um, where current players are, like, learning how to cook for themselves under the, under the nutrition staff. Uh, Rashawn was telling me that um, you know, they ate great, but one of the things that they did was they actually got to cook their own meal. So he he's like, I, I don't cook at home, you know, but he, he had cooked like uh, stir fry rice and chicken and steak and, and all this stuff for the first time, uh, which was like a, just kind of a cool little, um, you're not just telling them what you do for current players, you're um, showing them and letting them experience it. Yeah. So I, I thought that was, that was kind of uh, kind of interesting and kind it's of so neat.
2: fun. Like I can't imagine how how nice it must be to just cook in like a fully stocked kitchen all the time. Yeah, we were a, talking to Carolina's like, nutritionist, or I was when we took our visit, uh, the media visit or yeah. tour for the uh, for the football ops building. And apparently, the players have come up with some really interesting concoctions, uh, some interesting <laughs> sauces and stuff like that. Apparently, AJ Turner likes to cook in there, and uh, she was telling me a whole bunch of other players that have had fun with that. And that that doesn't seem, you know, for those of you listening, it's like, oh, who cares? But like for a lot of players, that's. That's not why you're going to go to a school, but that's the kind of fun stuff that, you know, if if there are two schools that are, like, roughly equal. Those are the mm-hmm. kinds of, like, they seem trivial, but that stuff is really fun for a kid, I think.
4: Well, and how, how many kids that are first getting to college, like, truly know how to cook? Like, not just, you know, can throw together a sandwich or, or throw something in the microwave, but truly know how to... Yeah, I don't think making to...
2: a sandwich qualifies as cooking.
4: <laughs> that's what I'm saying, though. But for, for a high school kid, like, that's, like, the... Yeah. that's maybe the extent of making your own food, I should say, rather than cooking. But um, you, so you're teaching them, you know, the kids maybe look at that one way, but then the parents probably look at that as like, you're teaching them a life skill. Exactly. Um, so I, there's know, not enough
2: of that, you know, like I didn't know how to do my taxes after I graduated from college. What was that four years worth?
4: Exactly. So I, I, I really, I like those elements. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I was talking to a high school coach. He was talking about the progress of South Carolina and facilities and stuff like that. And um, he had a good point, And it was that, you know, South Carolina has eliminated about as many um, negatives about the program as you possibly can as far as what can other schools use against you. Can you use uh, the history against them still? Absolutely. That, that can't change. But as far as um, the ops building, the support staff, the coaching staff, um, all that other stuff is in place. So you're eliminating things that other teams can say – about you that could be perceived as a negative, and I think that's what you have to do to go to battle with the big schools, um, such as they are with Reggie Grimes, um, Chris, who I think they're battling sort of Alabama, where his dad played, maybe some Tennessee in there as well. Um, but sounds like, and, and always like reading his interviews, he's like a very thoughtful kid. I feel like gives in depth stuff. But um, where, what's your take on Reggie Grimes? Is is he enjoying the process? But Still a long shot for South Carolina, or do you think this is a, a real chance that the kid could actually end up in Columbia?
3: Yeah, you know, I don't think he's a lock for Alabama. That's that's what we've sorta of pretty consistently been told. Um mm-hmm. he does he does have that family tie. And look, typically when you see not everywhere, but really at Alabama, if you've got a situation where a kid's a legacy and, and there's an offer and they really want the kid, it's pretty tough to be. You know, Marlon Humphrey's one that comes to mind. You know, there, there was a lot of talk about um, other schools with Marlon, but the end, at the end of the day, several years back, you know, it was going to be really tough to beat South or tough to beat Alabama for Marlon Humphrey. Mm. Um, I don't think this is quite that type of situation. I think you know he he's very open to others. Um, interestingly, you know, Alabama wanted him to camp this summer and sort of get a better feel for you know where he would play and and a little bit just get another look at him. and he's apparently not going to do that, which is interesting. but he's got an official visit scheduled there to Tuscaloosa in September tennessee's definitely been in the mix but south carolina you know they've they've you know he could play either position he could he probably be a buck type on defense or he could play tight end on offense and um you know he plays some running back in high school as well so um he's a guy that i think like south carolina and I, I think they're just both sides are going to keep things warm and see where it goes from here but I, I don't think he's an alabama lock i don't really get that sense could he end up there sure
2: and he's got an, he's, you know he's got offers from Alabama, Florida State, LSU, Tennessee, you know Clemson, just go down the line. Both the Mississippi schools and Nebraska and Ohio State and Oklahoma, Penn State, you know basically everywhere, anywhere that he wants to go. Um, so this will certainly be one to keep an eye on. Right now, the rivals forecast does say Alabama, but it looks like if I'm reading this correctly, that's only about 37% confidence, which sounds like sort of what you're saying, Chris. Maybe maybe the front runner right now, but far from a lock. Uh, last guy that Carolina had on campus this weekend is a JUCO wide receiver, Malik Heath. Six three two ten, and then has an offer list that's the SEC and then Washington State. I, I, I hadn't looked at it until just now, but it's Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky, Missouri, South Carolina, Tennessee, and then Wazoo. So what do you know about uh, Malik Heath and his recruitment process?
4: Yeah, a little bit of a just a random visit. Wasn't one we had anticipated a ton like a bunch of them, but really good player from what I've heard. And uh, the visit, I think, just sort of blew him away. You know, he talked about it was amazing was the word he used, and um I don't know if he quite realized what all South Carolina had to offer until he took this visit. Um, You know, I I think Florida firmly in the mix. He's going to take an official there. Uh, Mississippi State, where he signed with out of high school, I believe still firmly in the mix as well. But, um, you know, it went well. He's not going to make a decision until uh, midseason. So, I, uh, you know, I I don't really think we have a feel yet for how this one's going to play out. But as far as, um, you know, them being in the mix and putting their best foot forward and having a really good visit, I you know, I think I think all those things are true. We'll just sort of see where how things play out, you know, on his end and on South Carolina's end. I think moving forward.
2: And looking at his Rivals profile right now, got a very sharp picture of him in a blue jacket and a bow tie. Most of the players just have like, you know, a picture of them in their pads or whatever, but I I appreciate the bow tie. Malik, if you're listening to this, I dig the bow tie. Always always a classy look. So that pretty much wraps up what was an unbelievably busy recruiting weekend. But we really just scratched the surface. If you want even more in-depth on all of these guys on, again, just a crazy weekend for Carolina, you can find all that on Gamecock Central. If you're not an insider, by the way, you can use the exclusive podcast code GCPod and get a month for free to check out all the recruiting action. Very busy time. Y'all can get insights into camp and a little bit more on all these guys that we just talked about. Um, and then you'll love it, and then you'll be a subscriber forever if you want to do that. I want to remind you again to rate, review, subscribe. this podcast share it with your friends it's a great way to help support if you want us to keep doing it and uh, regardless of how you feel about that we will at least be back later this week to have a more extensive breakdown of camp because i promised that we would get to that and there was just too much just in terms of recruiting to hit just in this one podcast so that's going to do it for wes and chris and myself today but we will talk to you again later this week with a full breakdown of friday or thursday friday saturday
0: camp see y'all then